You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Welcome, everybody. This is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Tuesday, the 11th of October, 2022. Thank you all for tuning in. On today's program, we're going to be going back to the Westminster Larger Catechism. And we're going to be beginning with question 158. Now, we did finish with question 158 last time we were doing a program on the Westminster Larger Catechism. But I think it's, um, considering the topic and everything, I think it'd be better to go back over that question again. Because it's going to be very much about the preaching of the word and we may get into the questions on sacraments i suspect that we will not so it'll be a program very much about preaching uh you know a a section that's uh, very pertinent to me at the moment because um waiting on a call at the moment for the, for those you're not aware um i've finished my training when was it at the end of june yeah, it was in the June, so that's a little bit over three months ago. And so currently waiting on a call. So this is kind of, um, I think, <laughs> the joke at the moment is, yeah, I'm, you know, I grew up Roman Catholic, not believing in limbo, but you know what I mean. Um, so we're kind of, um, yeah, in limbo at the moment, waiting for, no, just in case anybody can, gets confused, I do not believe in the Roman Catholic doctrine of limbo or anything that is uniquely Roman Catholic, but, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's an interesting stage and, uh, but the Lord's blessed us with a lot of contentment and the Lord's really blessed us over the last few months with great opportunities to serve in various different ways. So, but anxious and, um, more in an, in more than an eager sense to get going with the work. So if you would keep uh, me and, our family in prayer, and also the seven congregations within our denomination, which are currently vacant. There's also a church in our sister denomination, Scotland, that is also vacant at the moment. That's our Glasgow congregation, and um, that would be sister denomination. You know the the reform. So I'm part of the Reformed Presbyterian Church of Ireland. I have uh, I am licensed to preach the gospel under uh, with my credentials with the southern presbytery in within the reformed presbyterian church of ireland and there's also the reformed presbyterian church of scotland which is a sister denomination and they have their own uh courts and things like this and um so currently one of their congregations is vacant so keep them in your prayers as well we have seven here of our uh, i think we've got about 40 congregations in total so that's um and frankly, men coming towards retirement age. So there's a there's great need for prayer. Wherever you are in the world, wherever denomination you are in the world, um, there's a shortage of men coming through. There's um, there's also really across the world, Western world especially, there seems to be a shortage of as well of office bearers in general, uh, whether that be ruling elders or deacons and things like this. So this very much needs to be kept in prayer. So um, anyway, so we'll be looking at questions today with regards to the preaching, the preaching office, which is preaching is to be done with those who are either in training for the preaching office or with the goal toward that. Uh, 
end. It is not to be entered into people who just want to talk or like reading systematic theology books. And this is a ve- this is a vital thing that the church needs to get right because there's too many men who are appointing themselves to the office. Now we may decry women doing it because well they're obviously haven't been sent by God because they don't reach the qualifications that are needed for someone i.e. that they're male, you know, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, in order to be able to carry out that function. And, and the criticism that God had for the prophets in Jeremiah's day was this. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Now, today we don't have visions from heaven. We don't have dreams and things like this. The canon of scripture is closed. We're not to expect, you know, signs, miracles, and wonders in that sense. These across history have never been normative anyway. They've always been extraordinary. They've always been seen in times such as Moses, Elijah, the the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. These were extraordinary times. That's why they were miracles. They were they were different. They were extraordinary demonstrations of power, and they were to stand out. They were never to be normative. They were never to be, hey, here's what's going to be happening for the next 2,000 years, as is thought of in within maybe the Pentecostal or the charismatic movement. So with all that said, getting in... Uh, this is such a vital issue, and I pray, by God's grace, maybe you are listening and you are praying about it, and you are, you've read through First Timothy chapter three, you've read through Titus one, you're seriously considering preaching, you know, is or asking the question: Has God sent me? This is the question, not do I want to do it, but has God sent me? See, one of the re I remember I was I was living in Cork at the time. And I remember it was I think it must have been late 2009. I was saved in March of 2009. And the minister of the church I was in, he it was a point of application I still remember to this day about maybe the Lord wants you to preach or I, I can't remember the exact wording it's been that long ago, but I felt convicted about that. But here's the thing. I, I didn't want to do it. I was like in my head, oh Lord, you know, I'll I'll do whatever. I'll I'll yes, I'll yes, I want to study about the Bible. Yes. But I don't want to get up there. The Megiddo Films started in 2010 and probably Megiddo Films is probably not going to continue. In reality, just it's just too t- too time consuming unless I can find somebody who's willing to do editing in the future. But that's that's neither here nor there. I think Miguel Miguel Films is probably finished. Probably won't be any films. There hasn't been a film from Miguel Films since twenty sixteen, and I I don't think there will be another one, frankly. Um, but 
I felt convicted. I felt, you know, drawn towards it. I, I don't know how you would put it because it's very hard to describe the inward call. In, in times of, you know, I, I just read from Jeremiah 23, verse 21. When the prophets of old were sent in the Old Testament, it was very, very clear. When Moses was spoken to out of a burning bush. That's not how people enter into the ministry today. You know, because these signs and miracles were not norm they're not normative. They were for people like Moses. Moses who was who would write the first five books of the Bible, Genesis up to Deuteronomy. Um Elijah and others too, you know. Sometimes it would be the prophets they would prophesy doom or they would prophesy certain things that would happen. And if that thing didn't come to pass, then we would know that they were false prophet. And it was such a serious thing that if they were false prophets and shown to be false prophets, I think it was was it Deuteronomy chapter 13, Deuteronomy chapter 18, they were to be stoned. They were to be put to death. There was a death penalty for claiming, to, for being a false prophet in the Old Testament economy. There was the death sentence over. That's serious. Now, even, even in the Old Testament, even with that severe punishment, there was still the death penalty. Or there were still many false prophets, even with that. However, how often was this ever carried out? I just want to remind you as well, in case anybody's got any questions during this, Megiddo radio at gmail.com, M-E-G. IDDO radio at gmail.com. Um, I try to check this email. Sometimes I don't check this email every single day. So um, I might check this email once or twice a week, really. Um, but this will be the email for people who want to reach me with issues regarding to Megiddo Radio. Um, some other people have my other one or two emails floating around the place. Um, <laughs> this one's just for this. Um, anyway, so so back in two thousand nine, I felt called toward the ministry. I didn't really want to do it, and when I when I didn't really submit to that, I mean, I couldn't have known straight away. I think you'd have to wait and not make a hasty whatever. But I think, you know, when you're trying to run away from that and you're being a bit of a, a Jonah about it, whenever you run away from what God wants you to do, you expect your life to be a bit of a mess. And um, nothing nothing you could make a movie about it and it would be exciting blockbuster or anything like that. But it was just those areas in my life that were poor. You know, you know, didn't go to church for a few weeks. Now, part of that reason was I was in Italy and I couldn't find a church, but I could have found one if I really wanted to. So there were 
things that looking back weren't right. I, you know, at the time, you don't, because things are better than they were before you came to Christ. But eventually I submitted to it and I had peace about it. I, I was, you could say I was just tormented by it until I said, okay, Lord, I will do this if you want me to do this and open the door. Now, the door didn't open for another seven years. It was, it was about maybe a year and a half struggling with this. And I didn't have any doubts about it from that time on. I think maybe I had a few doubts here and there, wondering if it would ever happen, wondering if I got it wrong. Maybe parts of me at times was like going, yeah, maybe I got it wrong. Hopefully I got it wrong. And, you know, um, but the Lord's changed my heart in that now. I mean, years ago, I didn't want to do it. The Lord's given me a love for preaching now, but back when I submitted to it, I didn't, I didn't have any, I never got in front of people. This program had started back in 2011, but it's, it's a lot, you know, when you're talking to an inanimate object versus feeding the souls, spiritually fe feeding the souls of a congregation. It's worlds apart. And the responsibility is huge. But we need to, if you're called to either ruling elder, and that might be your congregation voting on it, and they, they see the qualifications of ruling elder in you, and then you pray about it. And... And then there's the office of teaching elder, where you are sent by God, essentially. There's a special amount of training on a teaching elder that there's, you know, there's there's the college for years. There's because they're the that's the minister of word and sacrament. Now, in terms of ruling, they're on the same level. It's you know. There's four or five elders, maybe four ruling elders, one teaching elder. But at the same time, there's got to be the teaching elders, the one set apart for full-time ministry to focus on the word and prayer. The ruling elder will typically probably have a job during the week and will be obviously dealing with various ruling issues and things like that. But there is a degree of training that is absolutely vital. Absolutely vital. This this role is not just that you can get up there and give your best John 3.16. You may have a couple of good sermons in you, okay? But that well is going to run dry pretty quickly. You need to, everybody needs to be trained. No matter how much ability you may or may not have. And it must be God has sent you. Not you sending yourself, not you, well, if only the church would just listen to me, then all the church, church's problems would be fixed. I think that's probably the, the, um, the unspoken error of inexperience that we would never say out loud 
but we would never say it out loud because we know it sounds supremely arrogant. Realize you, if if the Lord is, you're listening to this and you read First Timothy chapter three, and you've you've talked to your elders and you prayed about it, and you're pretty convinced that you fit these qualifications. There's no glaring reason why, and if there are glaring moral reasons, don't. Not saying perfection. Maybe you have to say, well, I haven't been saved a long time. I'm a novice. You know, my first Timothy chapter three, not a novice. Um, Give it time. You don't have to be the finished article (laughs) immediately. Maybe it's something you work towards. Maybe you say in the future and you're going to grow and the Lord's going to help you to grow, enable you to grow over these next few years and you you go wherever he leads you. So this is a role, this is a function of the church that is to be done only by those sent, sent by God. And you, I'll, people will say how hard this is. It's an impossible task because it is one by which must be done by only those sent to the role. I'm laboring on this, and I'm, I'm talking way longer on this than I expected to. I'm about 15 minutes into But I have been so struck by this of the condemnation of the the church prior to the Exodus and to Babylon. And by church, I mean, you know, in Jeremiah's day, there was a church back then. And what, and the, the, the criticism of God's people of that day, it wasn't the typical stuff that you hear, you hear today. You know, it, it's almost like, well, largely speaking, it's the people. They just don't want good preaching, and it's this and that. And yeah, there's elements of truth to that. But over and over in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 14, 14, and the Lord said unto me, the the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and a deceit of their heart. But look at that. I have not sent them. Jeremiah 23, 21, which which I mentioned earlier, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. Not that they walked, they ran into the position. They're more than willing to get up there. And you could say to have the limelight. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Yes, prophesy you think of future vision and things like this and what will happen in the future. But it is very much them, yeah, delivering a message, but it's very much them preaching. Jeremiah 23, 38. And since you say the oracle of the Lord, therefore thus says the Lord, because you say this word, the oracle of the Lord, I have sent to you, saying, do not say. Sorry, this is actually not what I meant to read. 
27.15, For I have not sent them, says the Lord. Yet they prophesy a lie in my name. And again and again, you find different examples of it. Here now, Hananiah, 28.15, again of Jeremiah, The Lord has not sent you. You know, today we'll say, well, you know, their doctrine's okay and all this kind of stuff. The primary criticism of these people, of these false prophets, I have not sent you. And so, I say this, you can't do this work unless God has sent you. I think this is why so many people, you, you read these articles, people talk about quitting. I, and I know the last couple of years have been very, very tough for a lot of ministers. Of course they have. But you have to come to a position. You know that you will, in your conscience, be tormented unless you do this thing and you fulfill this role that God has for you. And there's no escaping from that. You've gone down that path. I'm not saying you should go down this path where you, you avoid it, but you know that you've been sent by God. And you know that there's no other place for you. You know that there isn't a secular job for you. Or whatever. No, I'm not saying they may come, people might be waiting for calls and they may have to work day jobs. That's that's not what I'm talking about here. But But you know that God wants you to preach. And if you have that knowledge and you stay close to the Lord, then you can face anything. You can endure anything. You run, when you're in your lowest point, you run to him in prayer. You fall on your knees. You weep out. You cry out to him. Because he has sent you. Because he has set you apart for that role. Because otherwise, you just become, think of John chapter 10, a hireling. A hired servant, it could be translated as well. Someone who's doing it for the money. It's just like any other job for them. Let me put it like this. I think I think it was Spurgeon put it like this. That if he could do any other work, it would have been Dabney, I'm not sure. But if you could do another line of work and be have peace about it, you would. Now, you would want to make a hard and fast rule about this because I know we all have different personalities and we have all different things. But the longer you're in that secular job, you're just not content. Now, what I mean by not content is I'm not, there's just some people who will never be content no matter where they go. This is not what I'm talking about. This does not mean you're called to the ministry. Actually, you should demonstrate before you go into the ministry diligence in various different roles. I remember, um, It was something I had to repent of myself years ago, of, you know, my generation, millennials, and probably generations Z after me, of kind of running out of things and things like that. So I stayed in the same line of work 
for was it six and a half years, which was a long time for me, but I stayed and I was like, you know what? I'm not changing. Is it perfect? No, but I'm going to stay. And um, then pay the greatest and everything else like that. But I said, no, stick at this. Um, and a lot of this is, you know, today we're told quit. Today we're told this, that, and the other. Because there's so many options today. Here is a role God has placed you in it. If God has placed you in it. If God has called you to the ministry, you do this. You do this as long as you can. For however long the Lord will preserve your health. And you resolve to do nothing else but to serve him. And it's not just about even the ministry. You've got to make sure that the ministry doesn't become, or preaching, or even public teaching, or whatever, becomes what give us, gives us our joy. The Lord gives us our joy. Men can be tested in that. Sometimes men in their ministries, they get sick. And the Lord takes that away from them. Is the Lord enough? So it's all about serving God. You may be a godly person. You may love the Lord. But not every person who loves the Lord is a godly person is called to preach the gospel. The Lord may want you to be a deacon if you're a qualified male. The Lord may want you to be a ruling elder if you are a qualified male. And look, if your congregation does vote for you and all that kind of thing, take it seriously. They obviously see some qualities in you. Now, that's a very long introduction. I apologize. <laughs> and thank you for staying with me this long. Question 158. That was the longest introduction I've ever done to obviously something I'm very, very passionate about. That you are sent. Have conversations with your minister and things like this. Are you sent? And if you're not sure, wait. 158. By whom is the word of God to be preached? The word of God, answer. And the word of God is to be preached only by such as are sufficiently gifted and also duly approved and called to that office. Now the word of God is to be preached only by such as are sufficiently gifted. Be honest with yourself. When you look through 1 Timothy chapter 3, and if there's something glare, none of us are perfect, okay? You know, we wish, you know, there's going to be people brighter than us in Greek and everything else like that. There's going to be people who we feel massively inferior to and so stuff, stuff like that. that, that that's... That's neither here nor there. There's going to be... You're going to be in, in college, Bible college, and there's going to be some people who are just... massively intelligent. And praise God, may the Lord use their gifting and all that kind of thing. But unless... But you need to have some ability, some level of ability, academically, spiritually. But just because you're good with books doesn't mean you're not going to be naive. So, um, 
be honest with yourself with are you duly qualified a sober assessment and perhaps you have to get other elders involved and things like this and you may be talking to him over a long period of time as you wrestle with this and you know what i wish i did get well i did get i did get some feedback when i finally submitted to it and um and that's when i had full peace about it once i did submit to it and the longer i had to think about it between then and actually seven years later well that's when i went into, co into college it's been 11 years since that time and I, i'm you know, I'm I'm licensed to preach the gospel, but I'm not ordained yet. the 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 path can be long, but as long as you're doing what God wants you to do, and use whatever time is available to do different things, the Lord is in control of every aspect of your life. He knows your situations. He knows it's going to come next. No time is wasted time as long as you use it. The Lord obviously wants you to do doing something at that time. That doing could also be resting and just to get a bit of balance in there too so it says in first timothy chapter three this is a faithful saying if a man desires a position of a bishop or overseer he desires a good work a bishop then must be blameless the husband of one wife that just basically means don't have multiple wives that was an issue back in the first century not not really in in the west today but so blameless husband and one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine or violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission well with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice. Not a recent convert, basically. Not somebody who's just recently been converted. Lest being puffed up with the pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony towards those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now, none of us are perfect, okay? But, this has to be generally acknowledged by you have these qualities, but the wider church, the visible church, the, the church government, the, the the elders who exercise the keys, they should see these qualities in you. Actually, others within the body should generally see these qualities in you. That if you're a husband... As you do, you know, like that your children are not unruly. Say you've got a, I don't know, if you have a 12-year-old son and he's out drinking. Right? Uh, that's a major red flag. <laughs> um, because if you, can't, if you can't control your own home, why are you, why are you, how do you think you can rule or govern well in the church of god you can't you have actually demonstrated that you can't be honest with yourself so be honest with yourself in a sober way across these things 
good reputation, sober-minded, not, 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 you know, prone to rashness and things like that, hospitable, you know, someone who's governed by the Spirit of God. And it must be sent by the church. But how often does that happen today? Sent by the church. If we're being honest with ourselves, what happens today? Well, in an independent church of some description, they may even be teaching good stuff. You'll look across this list and there's a flagrant disregard for one of them. Maybe in the person's family. Maybe one of the children is living in a licentious way under their roof. But because, well, they believe that they're called to the ministry, no matter what, they won't take no for an answer. And somehow they end up getting through. And then at some stage, somebody ordains them down the line. And it becomes very much about those people who are often self-appointed. It, it, it has really hurt the church over the years. This is why it's important to demonstrate, if you're going to be in the ministry, a submissive spirit. Like in my case, whenever, Lord willing, I get ordained, hopefully, <laughs> not too distant future, um, that I show a submissive spirit toward my presbytery, obviously mainly to the word of God, but there's a subordinate authority of the elders in the presbytery who I am submit to. And if you can't, if, you've just, if you are of such an independent spirit that nobody can tell you what to do, then you're just doing what you want to do. Well, you're going to see your children probably imitate that same example, that which you're exemplifying. You know, that whole saying, do what I, do what I say, not as I do. These are painful things to talk about, brethren, but I think many of us would recognize that they're true. Things that have taken me many years to see, and, I, and, and I'm still massively inexperienced in these areas. The Word of God is to be preached by such... No, this is to be preaching. The preaching is to be linked with the office. It's not the person who raises himself up and self-appoints himself. And if you've been doing that, friend... I would say to you, stop for a while. Pray about whether you God wants you in the ministry. If he does, we'll submit yourself under the elders and that they will have you undergo whatever training that they require for the ministry and undergo that. That's the first part, you could say, of that process of submission, that you will be open to being taught because if you can't, if you can't be taught yourself, you are ill-equipped to teach others. I was watching a video years ago, and there was a very good bit of advice. I think it was um, 
YouTube channel of Matt Everhart. I think he's a PCA minister. In the States, he's got a YouTube channel. Anyway, and one of the bits of advice he gave it was about criticism and preaching, and it was, it, was, it was a good video. One of the things he said was this, um, that I think this was it, what he said anyway, was unless you're able to receive criticism, critique, then you really shouldn't be in the ministry. I think that's what he said, and it really struck with me and um, completely agree with it. So the word of God, again, still in 158, the word of God is to be preached only by such as are sufficiently gifted. Are you gifted for it? And the gifted part is how you rule your family. Because I'm sorry, but that part is routinely ignored. I'm not saying you have to be the perfect father. But there can't be. Because it'll completely undermine your ministry. Your preaching will be a joke. How can you get up there and apply to the people in front of you in a faithful way if you don't do it yourself? People are going to be annoyed. I say, well, who does he think he is? Sufficiently gifted. And it quotes. When the reference is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Must be blameless, the husband and one wife. Vigilant, sober, good behavior. And also duly approved, yes, of God primarily, but that approval outwardly should be recognized by the church. If it's not recognized by the church, then there's a good chance you haven't been sent by anybody except for yourself. I really do think that far too many, and I've come to probably through experience, probably through reading Jeremiah, through other things like that, not just Jeremiah, but other parts of the Bible as well. But that far too many have sent themselves and perhaps love the sound of their own voice far too much. duly approved and called to that office that high calling that office that's question 158 that's only taking us 40 minutes <laughs> all right next question question 159 how is the word of god to be preached by those who are called thereunto by those called thereunto this is completely foreign to today We just want the person with the zeal to get up there and preach. And just go for it. The ends justify the means. No. They don't. And you do great harm to the body when that happens. 
you do great harm to those people who are let into the pulpit who really shouldn't be there. So question 159, how is the word of God to be preached by those who are called thereunto? They that are called to labor in the ministry of the word are to preach sound doctrine diligently in season and out of season, plainly, not in the enticing words of men's wisdom of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, faithfully making known the whole counsel of God, wisely applying themselves to the necessities and capacities of their of the hearers, zealously with fervent love to God and the souls of his people, sincerely aiming at his glory and their conversion, edification, and salvation. Now, apology, there's a quote I forgot to read to you from J.G. Voss, who did a wrote a book on the larger catechism. And he gives a very, very good comment that I think is very... It, it does tie in with the start of this question, but it's really something I should have quoted a minute ago. Apologies for this. But in page 449 of the Westminster Larger Catechism, a commentary by J.G. Voss, he says this at the bottom of the page, there is a divine call to the work of the ministry. And there is a call of the church. We should always remember that the ministry is not a profession, but an office. A person may not simply decide to become a minister as he would decide to become a lawyer or to go into some line of business. He must have some reason to believe that he's called by God to the ministry. That does not mean a special revelation from heaven, such as a dream or vision, but a consciousness that one possesses some measure of the requisite qualifications together with an earnest desire to preach the gospel, a willingness to make sacrifices for the cause of Christ, and a readiness to endeavor to gain the necessary preparation. Those whom God calls to the ministry, he will lead into it in his own way. Just skipping on a little bit, he talks about the formal call of the church. The formal call of the church consists of a call by a congregation upon the candidate to become their pastor or the call of a mission board or other agency of the visible church to engage in home or foreign mission work or some other phase of the work of the ministry. In every, in each, in every case, there ought to be a definite call either to the pastorate of a congregation or to some other specific field of work before a man is ordained to the office of the ministry. They must be proved. They must be set apart. So, I just thought that was particularly good. So, so question 159. How is the word of God to be preached? How is it to be preached? Now, you've been called. How are you to be preached? And I feel ill-equipped with the little... They've done over the years, but we'll go through the answer anyway. Um, they that are called to labor in the ministry of the word are to preach sound doctrine. It must be according to the word of God. 
to add nothing and take nothing away, to preach the whole counsel of God. And it says diligently, um, you know, to remain working hard and in season and out of season. <laughs> I remember, um, what was it, John MacArthur explained this years ago? Well, there's two seasons. One is in season and the other one is, well, out of season all the time. When it's popular, when it's not popular, when it's when it's favorable, when it's in unfavorable, when it's you preach, you preach all these things. Plainly, plainly, and probably in much of the church today, and generally, if you're beginning, this is where you struggle, plainly, to be as simple as possible. 1 Corinthians 14, 19, yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding, that my voice I might reach others also. Than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Again, the whole idea there is that it is understood by the people in front of you. Not in the enticing words of man's wisdom. Might sound impressive. Might go, ooh, that sounds very eloquent. And then you think, what does it mean? I don't know. Well, who are you talking to then? You've really got to think about Good preaching is simple. It is plain. It is understandable. Some of the best preaching is the simplest. Now, we've got to make sure that we don't dumb it down as well. There can be the overcorrection of dumbing it down and simplistic, where the truth actually becomes distorted in an attempt to simplify. Make it as simple as possible. As possible. Not the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit, the answer says, and of power. You know, this is not a lecture. This is not an intellectual exercise. This is the delivery of the word of God. This has to be done. Spirit and power has to be done faithfully, making known the counsel of God. This is the will of God. And it must be delivered in such a manner that befits that role. That is fitting to that role. It says wisely. Wisdom has to be used. There's no hard and fast rules. Our personalities is in play. The people in front of us is in play. The situation they're going through is in play. Um... You look at the, the how it's being received and in and they're kind of gauged by reactions and things like that. Then it says applying themselves to the necessities and capacities of the hearers. It, it depends on the 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 necessities capacity of the hearers. Um, there's no point in maybe you're preaching in a part of the world where alcoholism is generally frowned upon. It's a, you know, where I grew up, it's a, it's a big joke. You know, if somebody's drunk, they think it's funny. So if you came to a point of application with, with regards to the abuse and misuse of alcohol, then you'd have to really explain the dangers of it. But if you probably went to, I remember I used to live in the middle of Italy years ago and it was kind of seen as embarrassing to be drunk. 
you mention it, but you don't have to spend as long probably explaining it to people because they don't think it's so great anyway. So, um, it depends what's necessary. Some places, gambling is more of a problem than in other places. In some places, pornography is, a, is more prevalent than others. There's no point in... Now, this is less and less of an issue, but just say you did happen to be, end up in a, in a country congregation. This probably doesn't exist anymore, but just for argument's sake, no one had the internet. But you're going on about internet blogs all the time. But you go around to the houses and you find out <laughs> nobody's got internet connection. I'm not, that doesn't really happen much anymore. I suppose everywhere's got internet connection these days. But, you know, do, if you've got young people in their 20s and you know some of them have got Twitter accounts and all that, yeah, there's application that can be made there. But if they're, if that's not the case, well, you have to show wisdom and things like that. It says, wisely applying themselves to necessities, capacity of the hearers, zealously with fervent love to God and the souls of his people, sincerely aiming at his glory and their conversion, edification and salvation. Now, we've got to leave it there because we've just ran out of time. Apologies. Probably should have given myself more time to be able to go up to the hour. Um, so that's being sent with the high office of preaching. We've really gone to two questions and i hope that's been a blessing to you if you've got any questions megiddo radio at gmail.com that's megiddo radio at gmail.com and um try and get as many programs out over the next however long that megiddo radio continues again um please keep that in your prayers about any call in the future that i'm waiting on and um hope by the grace of god until that time, once once a call comes in, and I said this months ago, um, we get a radio, we'll be going on hiatus, and uh, probably be going away for about a year. Uh, please keep these things in your prayers. It's from Paul Flynn. May God bless you all.